0: Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcast. Thank you and we hope you enjoy. Yes, I always get excited when Paul Greer does a class. If you haven't had a chance to come to one of his classes... You'll be glad you did. Let's just say that. So, um, yes, Joey's right. We are kicking off prayer week at noon today all the way to noon next week. And here's the idea. This is a big deal because I really feel like um, God says, you know, we need to get the house in order. Uh, Spiritually and just even updating the building, it was cool because um, I've really been looking for some new furniture in the back. But furniture prices is just like... In my mind, it should cost this much, and then in reality, it costs this much. Has that happened, anybody? I'm like, there's no way I'm paying that. Anyways, it was cool because I was at uh, Habitat for Humanity, and these chairs came in. I'm like, perfect, so you can sit up there in the couch. Anyways, I feel like um, God's just saying, you know what, it's time to update. It's time to refresh and get new, to really get the house in order. And one of the best ways that we can do that is to really increase our prayer life. So for the next seven days, I challenge you, up the ante in your prayer life. Up the rhythm of your prayer life. If you wanna fast, you can do that as well. Um, I'm gonna do like a Daniel fast. I had some health issues, so I'm not gonna do a full juice fast. But maybe you wanna cut coffee out. Maybe you wanna cut sugar out or desserts or sweets. Maybe for you, I'm gonna go here, are you ready? Uh, maybe you just need to take off the Facebook app or the, the Instagram app off of your phone to just eliminate distractions and say, you know what, for the next seven days, I'm going to give my attention and my focus on God. And maybe you're like, Sean, this sounds really weird, but I really don't know how to start. So I'm going to give you a, like a little baby step. Are you ready for this? Now, I've never seen this done before, but I'm going to talk about Dr. Pepper and prayer. Are you ready for this? So here's what happened. Uh, We went to Waco a couple years ago, and if you ever have a chance to go to Waco, the Dr. Pepper Museum is there in Waco, where where Dr. Pepper was born. And it's such a cool exhibit, but what's interesting is in the old bottles it says 10, 2, and 4. Anybody have any idea why those numbers are there? Their ad campaign was this. If you have a Dr. Pepper at 10 o'clock, at 2 o'clock, and 4 o'clock, it's going to give you energy, you'll eat less, and you'll be skinnier. (laughs) For real, for real, they were advertising this. You can eat a meal on the run, have a quick bite to drink, you won't eat as much, and you'll stay skinny and slender. It's the luscious mid-meal treat. That's what they said. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying give your prayer life a little pep. Pull out your phone and set three alarms a day. Maybe it's at 10, maybe it's at two, maybe it's four. I don't know, whatever it works for you. But set your alarm for three times a day and just pray for three minutes every time your alarm goes off. How great would that be? That's nine minutes of prayer. That's doable, right? So for the first alarm, just thank God. Just say, thank you God for this, thank you for this. The second alarm, you can bring your petitions, your requests, and then the third alarm, just pray for other people see what God will do but I know when you carve out space when you give God attention he will speak some really cool things into your life and then obviously I'm excited about the uh, the midweek Wednesday prayer time Um, come check that out we'll have a couple songs of worship and then the leaders and the elders we're just gonna pray for you guys and if we have a word for you we'll we'll speak that out but this will be a really great chance for you to just kind of spend some time with God so Um, Definitely come check that out. So, are you guys ready to start the new series? Here we go. Wow, you guys are good to take. You're ramped up. Yes. Okay, so we're diving into Philippians. So, uh, a couple questions that we are going to be asking as we read this passage. Number one, how much of God do I really understand? How much of God, how much of the Bible, how much of spirituality, how much do I really, really understand? Second question is, the Apostle Paul writes this book, and we are going to be covering verses 1 through 11 today. At the end of 11, he gives us, hey guys, here's what really matters. Here's kind of the what really matters. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to me, um, turn to me, turn with me to the book of Philippians to give you a little introductions before we dive into. Um, out of 27 books of the, old, of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is credited with 13 of those books. So five of those were written when he was in prison, one of which is the book of Philippians. So the book of Philippians was written to the church of Philippi, and this was on a mission, missionary journey that Paul took. It was a second missionary trip, and he met a woman named Lydia, and she was a merchant. She actually sold very expensive textiles and fabrics, purple, stuff like that. And she really was kind of the key person or one of the key persons to plant the church in the city and in the town of Philippi so you can read about that missionary journey in Acts 16 but years have gone by now and this church the Church of Philippi finds out that Paul is in Rome and he's in prison and they say you know we should do something for the apostle Paul so what they do is they collect a fund and then they send somebody to encourage him and to give him these, this, this money. So, uh, Aphroditus is his name, hard to pronounce. Um, he is the one that takes this, these funds and kind of gives a report on what's going on in the church of Philippi. So, the, the kind of the feel or the vibe of Philippians um, is, is a letter of joy. So when he meets him, he writes this book and writes this letter to send back to the church of Philippi and that's what we're looking at. So um, joy appears actually 16 times in four chapters. So um, we are going to start this. I'm gonna go ahead and read one through 11 and then we'll just kind of go back and kind of look at some of the highlights of each verse. So it, it starts out and it says this. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have ha- I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of you uh, with affection of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you will may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, fulfilled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God, amen. Um, Paul starts this letter out in verse one and he says this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. As Americans, when we heard that, that word slaves it probably brings like a little grinding like Ugh, that's not good um, a, probably a better translation is bond servant sometimes uh, your Bibles will say bond servant um, this is defined as a person who is bound in service to somebody um, in the Old Testament you'll look at different passages where people owe somebody something and so they work for that person and at the end of their time with that person if they say you know what you're a good master I like it here. I like the people here. I want to commit to being your bond servant for my life. And they go, they go before somebody, and there's a ritual that happens, and they're saying, "Hey, look, he's my employee, or he's my servant for the rest of his life." And that's kind of what this picture is. It's a bond servant. So they're saying, like, I Paul's saying, I am committed to you, Jesus. I'm committed to this gospel, this good news, for all of my life. No matter what happens, he's in jail, and he's writing this, and he's saying, God, whatever you have for me, I am partnered with you. I remember my cousin came home um, to Colorado for Christmas, and a couple of us were talking about going skiing. It was near, you know, obviously wintertime, Christmas, and he's like, guys, I can't go skiing with you. And I looked at him, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I'm in the military. I'm like, so? So? He says, I took an oath. Like, I am serving the military. And if I get injured out playing in the snow, I'm going to have a lot of drama because I am property of the United States government. I'm like, dude, no way. Really? You can't go skiing? He's like, yeah, I'm dead serious. I'm like, wow. So that's kind of the picture. Like, we are really, when we say, Lord, you come into my life, forgive my sins, we're on a journey of saying, you have everything. You take everything. So, uh, next verse I want to look at, verse 5, New Living Translation. It says, partnered in the gospel, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. The truth is, no matter whether you like it or not, we are partnered with God and we have a commitment, we have an obligation to sharing the good news of Christ's love. And it's good news, it should be good news. This is wonderful news. We should share our faith with others, in deed, in kindness, but we should be ready to have an answer of when somebody says, wow, why are you so nice? Why do you live differently? Why don't you see these movies? Why don't you go to these places? We should have a testimony of what God's done in our life. And that's our whole theme, is going beyond Sunday. That we don't just simply attend church, but really we are missionaries. We are the church to our culture. And then Philippians 1.6, this is a very popular passage of scripture, and I really want to dig into this. I'm excited about this. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a work, a good work in you, will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What I see this is I see that God is not going to give up on you. God is not going to give up on you, on your family, on those who you're praying for. He's not going to give up on you. And if you feel like God has started a good work in your life, if you come here, if you're worship, if you feel something, if God has spoken in your life, That is a good work that God has started. So the question is, do you have the faith to believe that God will complete that good work that he started in you? Do you have that faith? Because you could look at circumstances, you could look at pressures, you could look at your finances, your doctor report and say, ah, this doesn't look so good. The trajectory of him completing this work seems like it should be going this way and it's in my mind going a different direction so what do we do with that well I think one of the most amazing scriptures that I could share to you is found in lamentations this is such a powerful verse it's found in chapter 3 verses 22 it says because of the Lord's great love the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness that does not make sense that does not make sense that his grace level is just renewed every morning you ever get irritated at somebody you're fighting with somebody You don't wake up with a full tank of grace for that person the next day. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to need a little time because I'm still a little mad at you. But God says, hey, no, it's not about your performance. It's not about your talent or your skill or your brain power or your IQ or what you can do, what you have done. It's because of my great love for you. And his grace is new every single day morning. That's it. We're done. (laughs) Let's go. That is amazing news. That's the depth of love that your God has towards us. That's phenomenal. And that makes sense that, you know what? It's about God's faithfulness, not our ability that he will bring this to completion. Right? Imagine if this was the news report and on the news you turn and you, you hear this big announcement from Disney that in Buckeye they're going to build a new theme park. And so they have the plans, they have the city approval and they're going to start construction. Now you might have some thoughts about Disney, um, but the thought that you probably don't have is you know what, I doubt that Disney is going to complete this project they could go bankrupt, they could start this thing, but they're not gonna see this thing do completion. That's not a thought that you have because Disney's like huge and epic and TV and streaming and movies and Marvel, like if they start a project, they're gonna get it done. Does that make sense? So you think about, you know what, if you have faith in a company or a corporation, God is saying to us, hey look, this good work that you feel that I started in you, don't worry. It will be done I will carry it out to completion if you say yes to me if you are willing to be real to be open to be honest if you are willing to I love the word cooperate with God's Spirit if you're willing to cooperate because if you go to see your doctor and you're like saying, why are you here I don't know I am here I feel pretty darn good well your leg you're bleeding well, I know, but that's okay. I've got a Band-Aid on it. I'm really okay. <laughs> You've got to be real and open and honest. That's why I love the community that happens in this group. I love Sunday mornings there's a Bible study. Paul's starting something on Sunday nights. There's small groups. There's activities. Jerome does a Bible study on Wednesdays, like women's meeting on Tuesday. There is a lot of different opportunities where you can come and be real and transparent and find a safe place to where you could say, God, I need you. I want you so here's where the puzzle happens Um, we are called to you know cooperate or whatever partner with this work of God but the problem is is we don't see things complete we don't see the full picture praise the Lord we have the Bible and we do know some things are concrete right we know that God loves us that Jesus is our Savior that he came and lived a sinless life He died on the cross historic Events prove that fact, but the reality is that we don't really have the whole picture, and I think that's where The struggle is right so um, To make this point evident. I have a great prop for you this morning Um, But I need a volunteer, and I haven't prepped this with anybody, but if you are good at puzzles I just need your help a couple minutes up here on stage any volunteers we have kind of a maybe with Joey. Kind of a, oh yes, come on up. She just comes up, yes. And I, th- you've helped me before too in the past, right? Yeah, I the oh, you just come up, okay. So here's, here's the, you're good at puzzles. So put out your hands here. I've got some pieces of this puzzle. So I want you to take a look at this. I'll, I'll put them on the right side up here. Now can you give me, just tell this, Everybody, kind of the, the picture that you see in this puzzle here. Like the whole picture. Describe oh, okay. the scene of the picture. Oh, okay. You know what? This will help. I've got some more pieces. Here you go. That'll, that'll, now you really have the full picture of what the puzzle's about, yeah? Not so much. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. I have a little mirror here, so let's do this, why don't you put those pieces right here. Um, I have this mirror here, and this is going to be just so easy for you. Uh, we have this mirror, and I'm going to give you the picture of the puzzle, but you can't look at the, the, the actual photo on that, so you can hold this, and then I want you to go to this mirror, and then this should be super easy, no, don't look, don't look, you got to use the reflection of the mirror and tell us like, okay, so a couple questions. How many people are in the picture? Do you see any airplanes? Any musical instruments? Uh, I see a oh, okay. Do you see any, uh, like, uh, how many houses are in the picture? or How many trees? Oh, okay, so it's, it's, it's a, a little bit hard. It's a little bit foggy. Okay, now, second mirror, this, this should be easy. Okay, now what do you see? How many, how many sailboats do you see now? Yeah. Two, okay, and you can show the picture up here. So this is the picture of the puzzle, right? So is it a lot different seeing it when it's fully revealed? Okay, good job. Give her a hand. Thank you. Thank you for your help. Yes. Here's the reality. It's hard to see the truth and the scope of God's logic and understanding from our vantage point. That's why in Corinthians it says this, check this out, verse 13. A lot of you had this maybe used in your wedding. This is the famous chapter on love. But the last half of this chapter says this, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity and I know now all that I know now is partial and incomplete but then I will know everything complete just as God knows me completely three things will last forever faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love here's what I know I've, I've met some really smart people some theologians some pastors some professors I've met people from Israel, who know biblical geography. I've met these people who know Greek and they've studied Hebrew and they could really get, dig down to all of this Bible stuff. And you're just like impressed. You're amazed. You're like, wow, you really know the Bible. But you take all those people and you size them up to the Apostle Paul, eh, game over. <laughs> he doesn't know Greek. He uses Greek, right? He wrote the scriptures. So isn't it interesting when we look at Apostle Paul and he says, guys, here's the thing, I know very little. Everything I know is partial, it's incomplete, it lacks clarity. Here's a guy that went up to the third heaven and saw a revelation of heaven and still all that, after all that, he's like, I know very little. Why do we allow ourselves to be frustrated when this walk of faith doesn't go as we have planned? We're looking at the picture, we're like, I don't know. I think I see a guitar, a teddy bear. What is going on? And we look at these pieces of, okay, this happened, and how does this all fit together, God? I don't understand. I'm hurting and I'm lonely and I'm broken and I'm alone. God, you've started a good work, but I don't see how it's going to come to completion. And God says, I love you. I got this. It's not based on your ability. It's based on my great love for you. It's based on my faithfulness, my grace that renews every single day. Chill out. (laughs) I got you. So well, I know the numbers of hair on your head. So if you don't think I see what's happening to you at work, if you don't see, if you think that I don't see the prayers for your grandchildren, for your neighbors, for your family, I see it all. And I will bring to completion when the day of Christ Jesus arrives. So it's our job to be ready for that. To say, you know what I don't understand and that's okay. (laughs) I don't understand, and that's okay. Paul's way smarter than me. He wrote the Bible. He had an encounter with Jesus, and that dude doesn't even get it. He doesn't say he gets a half. (laughs) He says, I get very little. What what we do get is what God chooses to reveal to us. That's it. Is that going to be enough for you? gonna be like forget it i'm not doing it anymore i don't know a plan b i look at the world and i'm like there's no better plan (laughs) i like this i'm just gonna stick with this like i've studied the bible it's true i've experienced god i trust that whatever he is going to do in my life i am his bond servant i'm all in i don't have another plan I'm all in. That's the best place to be because when you lean on your own understanding, sometimes it doesn't work out. <laughs> There's other variables. So trust in the Lord. That's the message that Paul's saying. So, um, here's the miracle. Um, we see things very dimly. Maybe we should be slow to speak maybe we need to be patient with others maybe we need to stop boasting and saying you know what i'm right on this i'm right and you're wrong again there are some concrete things that that god does give us a wonderful word he gives us everything we need to know but there's certain things that you know what we just don't have the answers to but the miracle is when we get to heaven we will all be In Revelations, when Paul does a study, I don't think there's any mention of different denominations, that this is going to be the Baptist neighborhood, this is going to be the Pentecostal neighborhood, and this is going to be, no, we're all united in one. That's a miracle to get all different walks of life, all different social economics of life, political backgrounds, all coming together and saying, wow, I see. See it now, I have complete understanding. Oh my goodness, I get it. And here's what's phenomenal. You look at Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. it says, "No eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him." what? I can imagine a lot, right? I mean you see cool movies, you see Star Wars and all the like I can imagine a paradise that would be pretty epic in my mind. And it says that no mind can imagine like whatever I can imagine, it's gonna be like way beyond cool. Like that's what God's prepared for us. So he says, you know what? Hey, you're gonna come into struggles. It's okay, I've got you. Just just surrender. Like Kristen said just rest I've got this so Philippians 1 9 through 9-11 we'll, we'll kind of close this up it says I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding verse 10 for what uh, for I want you to understand what really matters Paul's saying hey look Here's what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, hey, look, God started a great work. I'm confident that he will be faithful and he will complete it. And I'm telling you all of this stuff for the bottom line reason because you need to live pure. You need to live holy and blameless lives because God is holy. Isn't that weird? He wraps all of this up and he's like, guys, stay away from sin. If you're feeling conviction, shut that off. Don't go there. Don't call that person. Live blameless because God is going to do a great work. But when you're dragging around sin and condemnation and shame and unforgiveness, it's just not as fun, right? Have you ever gone golfing? It's so wonderful (laughs) to hit the ball in the fairway. (laughs) But very rarely do I have that opportunity. Like, The game of golf is so much better when you don't go in the weeds and you have to drag through this and look for your ball. That's what sin is. So Paul's saying, hey, guys, time out. Look at all this. I'm in jail, and I'm saying this. Live pure. Live blameless. Verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of salvation, of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God team can come up. But Paul's saying what really matters is to live a pure and blameless life. So I don't know what God's speaking to you. Maybe he's saying, hey, I see your pain. I see your anguish. I want you to rest this week. I want you to pray. I want you to seek me. I want your prayer life to take a pep up. Or you know what? I see the pain that you're putting yourself through you to forgive that person i need you like ryan said i need you to take a good look and leave that behind i don't know what god's saying but during this time i just invite you to stand up and as you're singing this song i just pray that his word would speak to you so go ahead and stand as we close in worship